Welcome to Teach Your Passion Online, the weekly podcast for passionate people who want to build online businesses. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Matthew Chapman here, and I'm here today with a super special guest, Chloe Thomas. How are you, Chloe? I'm good, Matt. It's very cool to be here. Thank you for having me on. That's okay. So I first found out about you through your amazing book. I know you've written, is it five books you've written? Yes, five. Wow, yeah. Okay. Um, the one that I've got and I'm currently studying very, very hard is how to get traffic that buys to your website. So I saw it ad- advertised on Amazon. I thought, oh, that looks cool. And it got lots of really amazing reviews. So I ordered it. It came through and I literally read it in about a day and a half because it is wow. just, it's jam packed full of uh, just the best content I've seen on e-commerce uh, marketing, to be fair. And I read a lot of a lot a lot of books and the other thing I like about the book is how well designed it is it's like some books I read all the um all the text is jumbled together and it's really small font and it's hard to read and but your book is laid out amazingly it's just so easy to read as a book in a of itself you know so thank you I, I spend quite a lot on achieving that so it's really nice to hear it's working um yeah I I too can't stand the business book with the tiny penguin font it's always a penguin one which has the smallest fonts and italics and and yes. no white space that's so right, I'm like, yes. I want, yeah i want this to be something and it's something i've done with every single book i've done is it's got to be approachable and you know sometimes the text can be a bit heavy because it has to be but you need a bit your brain needs a bit of space to breathe so yeah i work work with a brilliant guy called doug who helps helps me get that right but it's also partly about how, you know writing it in a way that works in that layout too so i'm really glad you appreciate it yeah it's uh it's it makes it so much easier to read you know you can just get through it much quicker and it's all laid out just fantastically so super impressed and the content is awesome as well like I've said I've read a lot of books on um, online marketing e-commerce marketing and your content is fantastic I'm, I'm very I'm happy I got that book and I'll get you other books as well so yeah if you're listening to the podcast definitely check it out how to get traffic that buys to your website by Chloe Thomas amazing book um, I'd just like to ask you a few questions about how you became like the expert on e-commerce marketing <laughs> that you are Oh, wow. Well, it's it's a story that goes back over 15 years now and was initially a series of happy accidents and then me just getting obsessed, basically. <laughs> like it. So what, what happened uh, 15 years ago that got you started on, on the path? Um, I When I left uni, I went to work for Barclays because I'd done an internship for them whilst I was at uni and then in those days they then gave you a job at the end of it and whilst I didn't want to work for Barclays they'd offered me a job so rather than apply for more (laughs) jobs I focused on getting a degree Um, and then ended up at Barclays and my suspicions were correct it was a horrible place to be for me Um, I know many people like working there I didn't Um, so I applied to anything that moved in order to escape And the first job I got was working for a UK high street retailer who also had a big mail order arm. They were called Pastimes, which um, some of your listeners may remember. So basically, yeah, yeah. yeah, historically inspired products, we'll Mm. say Uh, a lot of garden ornaments um, that look like fairies. But but I went there to be their catalogue marketing manager and got addicted to data. And it was just I mean, this was like oh four oh five. And it, we were just starting to do stuff online as well. And that was that was me 
gone, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of fell in love with it at that point. Oh, very much so. And then, unfortunately, that business went under the second Christmas I worked there. But the good news in that for me was that I had chats with some really interesting people in the mail order space and ended up becoming the first ever person who cared about e-commerce at a group of mail order businesses, all of which were, you know, seven figure turnover, had lists of over 60,000 that they'd never emailed, websites that might not have the right product on until a month after the catalogue lands. And I just got to play around to my heart's content for a year there. And that was just amazing. And that, that was it. I was completely hooked, hooked by that point. Well, it's interesting you say about um, those seven-figure businesses kind of not knowing what to do because I've had a similar situation in my own business. So I teach martial arts and sell online courses to martial arts instructors. And I've been trying to help them kind of understand this whole online e-commerce marketing world, which is a little bit daunting to them. Um, even with the big businesses, though, by, by what you said, it sounds like they make some fundamental mistakes when they get started. So what would you say were the like, most common mistakes people make when they first start on this type of business? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do find that the mistakes, very similar mistakes are made by businesses of all sizes. Yeah. Um, but the, the smaller ones are more usually more likely to, to admit to it. Hence, I do write all my books with the smaller business in mind because I find it's the, the big guys still read it and go, well, hey, that's brilliant. So it's like, so I'll keep writing for the small guys. Um, but yeah, the, the common mistakes, I guess there's there's two of them. There's those who are just launching and they put everything, all their effort, all their time, all their resources into the product and the website and completely forget about the fact they've actually got to do some marketing. Oh, yes, that's so true. Yeah, which is equally, you know, I've created courses myself and I know I'm guilty when I've done courses of spending so much time on the content and forgetting to actually put, you know, it's like, right, launch date's coming up. I must finish those videos. And you go, oh, no, the marketing. <laughs> and I'm saying that, everybody. So I know how easy it is to do. But that's that's one of the big ones is forgetting you've got to do some marketing. Um, and the, the other one is giving up on a marketing method too soon. Right. So people try one thing i mean the easiest example is facebook ads but it also goes for google ads and seo and for email and for influence and pretty much anything you can mention there are multiple strategies within those tools multiple things you could do um and i come across people who for example with facebook ads they've tried you know they say to me oh we've tried facebook ads it's not working for me i'm like have you tried this and they go no <laughs> what did you try? Oh, we spent £10 boosting one post a week for a month and we got no sales. <laughs> and like, well, one, you paid 40 quid. Two, you did the worst possible Facebook ad strategy. And three, just what? really? Um, so I think people people give off and write things off. And, it, and I mean, it's great when you're able to say that doesn't work for us. It's brilliant because then you know you can ignore that and you can focus on something else. But to be able to say that doesn't work for us, you've actually got to test it properly. You've actually got to look at what strategy should we do? What should we test? How should we optimize? You know, how is this working for us? And you can't you can't spend 40 quid on boosting posts on Facebook ads and then claim it doesn't work for you. Absolutely. I agree with both of those. They're the most common p- things that I come across with my particular audience as well. Funnily enough, I did the exact opposite with Facebook ads. So when I started with Facebook ads, I spent, I think, about 12 grand 
without seeing much <laughs> return on that ad spend um, over a period of years, just trying to figure out what the hell I was doing with Facebook ads and just chucking money at Facebook in the hope that it would work. And only eventually after I got some training from a sort of Facebook ads expert, did I start to make a return on the money I'd spent on Facebook ads. So I totally, I went the opposite way, which is probably worse maybe in spending that amount of money. I think at least if you've gone that way, you've got some data you can yes. look at to then look at what might work. And at least you've tried. But yes, it can be it either either is equally painful, I think. And one is much more financially painful. And even worse, I did the first mistake you you mentioned about, you know, neglecting the marketing. So I filmed some martial arts courses. I put them up on a website back in the day. This is about eight years ago, probably now. And uh, just sat there and waited for the cash to roll in. And uh, sadly, it did not roll in. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, bugger. So then I started trying to do some marketing. And it eventually took me almost 365 days to generate my first sale, which is insane, you know, to wow. working on it that amount of time and not generate a sale. But I didn't. And I persisted and I worked at it and I persisted. And eventually, once I'd made that first sale, which I believe at that time was for £7.99 pence, but it was at least it was a sale. It was a sale. It, I was so excited, but it was almost like, yay, someone's bought it. So now someone else will buy it. And uh, and eventually over the last few years, it's obviously taken off quite a bit. But um, persistence, I think, is is a, as a key thing, as you say. What yeah. what um, what sort of time would you suggest people spend on the marketing of a product if they're launching it, you know, to a cold audience? I, I, I generally recommend oh. that. Yeah, I would say personally sort of 70 percent of the time of the time should be spent on marketing i think the the first time you're going to spend so much time testing ideas and gathering feedback and learning about your product and your website and who your customer is that yes easily 70 80 percent of the time um is going to be on it because the it's the marketing which is going to make or break you not the product itself and there are loads of amazing products out there in the virtual space in the real world that no one's buying because they just haven't been marketed right and it is it's generally an awful lot easier to tweak the marketing than it is to create the product absolutely and your book uh, covers this your book how to get traffic that buys to your website covers just uh, just so clear and easy to understand like how to drive traffic how to market your your products it's it's amazing and you have an equation at, at the heart of e-commerce uh, in the book would you mind yes. talking about that yeah, sure. It is traffic times conversion rate times average order value equals sales. And the reason I put it at the heart of e-commerce, and to be fair, many other people put this equation at the heart of e-commerce too. Um, but my my reasons for it are that it, it's true. How much money you make is based on the amount of traffic you get, how well that traffic converts on your website. So how many of the people who get to your website go on to buy, which is both about how well your website performs and about whether you're getting the right traffic in or not, because, you know, when you when you were spending all that money on your Facebook ads, testing it and getting no sales, you were generating traffic. But the conversion rate of the website wasn't the website's problem. It was because the wrong traffic, the wrong people were, were being bought there. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is the average order value which is often neglected. And the AOV or the average order value is the average checkout 
price, you know, the average amount someone spends on your site. And it's really important to understand that if you want to grow your sales, you can pull on either of those three levers. You can increase AOV, which can either be about uh, increasing price points or doing upsells and all that kind of thing. Or it can be about looking at which of your traffic sources drive you the best average order value. In the e-commerce space, Google shopping campaigns, so the, the, um, the product imagery part of Google Ads, is renowned for driving low AOVs because oh. people want that product, they buy that product, and they tend not to buy anything else. Right. Whereas Google text ads drive larger orders because people often buy multiple things. It's, it's really intriguing, but it's, it's almost always the case. So if you spend more on your text ads, then you'll make more money than if you spend more on your Google shopping campaigns. Theory, obviously, there's a lot of other angles to be considered there, but just as an example. Yeah. Um, and how does that apply? You know, do you test this against every sort of, traffic source you can so you do test it against banner ads versus facebook ads versus google shopping versus is that is that the best strategy or is it to focus on one and kind of nail that down first um eventually yes but initially what you're doing is trying to find the traffic sources that drive traffic that converts and traffic that spends money right. so they they order and they have a reasonable aov so you're you're best friend for that is the source medium report in Google Analytics. Okay. Um, which is... Uh, which is my favourite report in Google Analytics. It allows you to do what? Um, so it's a, it's a report in Google Analytics that brings you uh, what in Google terms is called the source and the medium. And what it does is it breaks down each of the traffic sources in a very granular form um, and tells you how many orders, what the conversion rate is, how much traffic. And then with a bit of maths, you can work out the average order value because Google doesn't give you that out of the box. Google Analytics doesn't give you that out of the box. But that will quite quickly help you to understand which traffic sources are bringing you volume and which are then bringing you good volume, the volume that converts and the volume that spends the money. Once you've got a handle on which traffic sources, by which I mean uh, email, Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, social media are bringing you the money, then you can get more granular in the ones that matter for you. But I wouldn't go granular down to campaign level straight away. I'd look at the high level first. Okay, cool. And um, does that Google also um, track things like Facebook ads that you're running? And all does it track everything across all of your e-commerce sort of business? Or It can. <laughs> right. That's a bit of work, does it? There's a little bit of work. So there's something called, uh, well, if you Google for, if you Google, Google URL builder, yeah. you will get a form that enables you to add the UTM tracking code to the end of URLs to enable you to track things that, uh, that you want to track via that report. So um, Google ads, because it's a Google platform, you can integrate with, with a couple of clicks and it will just give you all the Google ads breakdown you want, but they don't do that for Facebook ads. So you need to go and generate these, these UTM URLs using Google URL builder. It's really simple to use, I promise you. The difficult thing is remembering to do it. Um, and then you can use those URLs on each of your ads in Facebook, and then you'll be able to see exactly what that individual ad has done when it got to your website. And obviously you can use that for any, any other links you're creating. So campaigns with influencers, 
um, and so forth. Email marketing tends to be auto-tagged for you if you're using a good platform. Yeah. So that will show up. But um, but yeah, Facebook ads is a bit of a pain in the pain, but it's worth doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's amazing what you can track nowadays um, using the different mm. pieces of software. Speaking of software, um, obviously Google Analytics is a major part of um, the sort of software you're going to need if you want to build this type of business up. Are there any other pieces of software that you might recommend that people uh, start with? Um, obviously, you need to have a, a web platform. Um, and when you're starting out, this kind of goes for whatever software you're using. When you're starting out, you're kind of doing that whole minimum viable product thing. And you're trying to prove that the system works, whether you're selling courses, whether you're selling physical product. The first thing you've got to do is work out, does anyone want this product? And can I find the people who want this product at a price it's worth me paying for them to buy it. Yes. You know, if you're selling the product for 30 quid and it costs you 30 quid to get someone to your website, that's not a business. You know, <laughs> if it's if you discover there's only, I don't know, 10 people a month who will buy your product, then it might not be a viable business. So initially you're just testing, which means you want to keep things simple and not too complex. Because if you discover that this isn't viable, you don't want to spend a lot of time looking at stuff that's unimportant and setting up stuff that's unimportant. Yeah. So for that reason, you want to start with a really simple website. So a Shopify or a WooCommerce, something like that. So it's really easy to set up. And in the world of um, courses, I'm guessing we're talking Teachable, Thinkific, those kind of platforms, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I recommend Thinkific um, I, specifically because it allows you, or it used to allow you to set up free courses for zero charge, but they've changed that recently. Boom. But um, yeah, Thinkific is, is really good. Cool. Um, and then uh, then we have uh, what you're going to do for your marketing. So initially, just use the Facebook ad platform, just use the Google ad platform. You've got to be spending a lot of money for it to be worth building on a second sort of software. I would also have um, a fairly simple um, email platform. Unless uh, if you're in the physical product e-commerce world, then a Clavio or an Omnisend start very, very cheap and they give you an awful lot of stuff you can do very easily out of the box. Mm -hmm. Then um, the other thing which I would do, uh, because I find social media to be hard work personally, it's not something I'm, I don't mind commenting, but creating the content, I find a real drag. So you want a, a scheduling tool which schedules your social media for you. So you can like spend half a day a week where you sort out all your posts and get it out there if you're doing if you're if you're doing social media. And for for Pinterest and Instagram, I would use Tailwind. And for everything else, I use a tool called Metrical, which gives me some really nice stats to try and work out how well our socials doing as well. Okay, so that's all what tracks, um, you know, how well you're doing on the various social media platforms as it relates to e-commerce or just in general? Just in general. So yeah. I, I use them for my business, which is is not about sales. It's about kind of engagement and volume of traffic and those kind of things. So you can see, you know, which posts were, were um, interacted with, which hashtags worked. But unfortunately, you know, with a tool like Metrical, you can do... Um, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter really well. But then if you want to do the more graphical graphical platforms like Pinterest and Instagram, you tend to need a, di a different tool. And my favorite one for them is, is uh, Tailwind. Excellent. Thank you. Great tips. I'll, I'll get on those and check them out as well. So um, looking at your equation, the first mm -hmm. thing is traffic. So you obviously yeah. have to drive people 
towards your website. Do you recommend yes. that people start with their favorite one or where they anticipate their customers are going to be or try four or five different traffic sources? What's, what's your take on that to start with? Um, I think to try four or five to start can spread you a little bit thin because when you start, you're learning what works on each one. So you've got to put some effort into learning how to optimize, learning how to set it up for success, learning what works. So I think you should pick maybe two or three to start off with based on three factors. First off, where your audience are. If you love Twitter, but your customers aren't there. There's no point in doing it. So you've got to work out where, where your customer base are. Um, it should also be platforms you, you enjoy because you'll do a much better job and it will be much more pleasant. Um, so if, if your customers are on both Pinterest and Instagram and you hate Pinterest and you love Instagram, then pick Instagram because it will show and it will, will help you succeed. And then the third factor is getting platforms that will bring you results fast. So I've mentioned in my example, social media, they tend to be quite slow burn. And yes, you should be starting to build up your social media and your SEO, but you've also got to do something which brings you traffic fast. Uh, so as you can test that concept and, and get people's eyeballs on it quickly. And yeah. that's where the ad platforms come in. So I guess it would be a third mistake from what we were talking about earlier is to purely think you're going to build a business fast with social and organic social and SEO. It just it just doesn't happen these days. You've got to to pay. You've got to be willing to invest some money and possibly not see a return straight away, I guess. Yeah, probably not 12 grand, though, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully not hopefully not so if you if you're driving traffic to your website the next thing to consider is a uh, conversion rate is that correct and in the early stages i'd check you've got people checking out but i wouldn't worry too much about conversion rate until you've got the volume there because right. if you think you've if you've got um you know a reasonable conversion rate of say when you're starting off somewhere around one to five percent maybe it's an awful lot easier and quicker to increase the volume of traffic coming into the website to increase your sales than it is to increase the uh, conversion rate. Right. Because increasing conversion rates is a whole other world of complexity and things to learn. Yes. So I would focus on getting the right search, the right traffic coming through first, and then, um, then possibly play around a bit with AOV because that could be quite easy with upsells, cross-sells, discount vouchers, those kind of things, and then go to conversion rate afterwards. So long as you've actually got people checking out and they're not telling you it's really difficult. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that conversion rate because when I talk to people about conversion rate and I say like for cold traffic, you know, traffic that's never heard of you, you can expect something from like possibly one to 2% to convert. Mm they seem disgusted by that, like it's such a low amount. Um, but that's kind of the reality, isn't it? When it's people who don't yet know, like, and trust you, if you drive these people to your website, your conversion rates are, are kind of low. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's when often when you're, you've got it, this is why I like to look at it at traffic level, not at whole website level. Because if you're running um, a Facebook ad campaign, which is driving you a positive return on investment. It's hitting your targets. It's making you money. That might only be converting at 1%, but it's making you money. So we're quite happy with that 1%. Yes, we should, could possibly be looking at increasing the, the percentage you convert, but it's working for us financially. So we shouldn't be annoyed at the 1%. 
then you may have something like SEO, which is traffic you're not theoretically paying for. Um, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, and those people may be converting really low, but you haven't paid for every single one of them. So it doesn't matter. And that might be pulling down your conversion rate. Um, it's like on my website, for some reason, ranks for a really random phrase that we don't cover at all. And we, you know, we get probably about 20% of our traffic comes in on this. It's been the case for years and I'm not taking the page down because it brings us traffic and I don't pay for it. Um, but it skews all my results. Ah, because 20% yeah. of my traffic is from people who are coming to the site looking for something they are not going to find. Um, <laughs> what is it like sheds or something? Or is no, it... <laughs> it, it's um, it's e-commerce business structure, which was a concept I used in my very first book and had a page about about uh, 10 years ago or something now. Oh. And we rank for e-commerce business structure. I don't know why we're still on page one for it, but the rest of the page is all about team structure. Right. And my page is not about team structure. So they're, they're potentially relevant if they fancy exploring the website, but, but they're not going to get what they're after. So we get a hideous bounce rate on it. Um, but I'm not going to get rid of it. But I know that that's bringing down the results of everything, which obviously, you know, we can play around with the data to analyze that out of it. But, but it's this sort of thing, which is why it's dangerous to look at overall percentage uh, conversion rate on a site. It's much better to look at it by traffic source. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and so once, you know, that they, they've generated conversions, how, how would you recommend increasing conversion rate? Is it simply to do with um, offers that you promote? Is it to do with your copy on your page? Is it to do with choosing the right traffic source or a combination of, of these and other, other elements? It's all of them. Oh, um, <laughs> without oh, there, There's a whole industry in improving conversion rates. Um, many, you know, you can do A-B testing, split testing. There's various tools you can put in place to analyze what's really happening, removing errors, tweaking things. Basically, there's, there's two sides to improving your conversion rate. One is the pull factors and one is the push factors. So pull factors are things that make people want to buy your product. So that could be an offer. It could be a, um, could be the product itself solves their problem and all that kind of stuff. So you have to put that in front of them. So as they know, this is what I want. This is, is a product I'm interested in. Yeah. Then you've got the push factors, which are the things which keep the customer going towards the checkout and to complete the purchase. So push factors are about getting rid of the barriers to conversion that happen. And humans have barriers to conversion around things like delivery we do not like paying for delivery fees <laughs> um, even if it means the product's more expensive we just have and we've had for more than 10 years now um, consistently humans do not like paying delivery fees so free delivery is a great thing to have to remove one of those barriers to push them over the line then you've got things like social proof and trust signals you know 100 people have bought this. Here's a five-star review. Um, those help push people along because they, they prove that you're trustworthy. Yes. It is scientifically proven that if we, if we know someone else has done something, we're more likely to do it. If we know someone did something and liked it, we're even more likely to do it, even if we don't know that person. So social proof's really important as well. And then, it, you know, it's just about double checking you've got what they need you know so have you got the payment method they need and those kind of things so those are, are the basics of kind of social proof explaining the product well 
and just and the delivery side of things as well which is obviously if you're selling courses is a lot less relevant yeah I, I like the push and pull analogy there that makes a lot of sense because it is about creating that whole environment isn't it that uh, encourages people and kind of pushes them gently towards the sale as well as pulling them with enticing treats and offer it's carrot and stick essentially I guess Exactly. And, you know, you can you can think about your own experience of going into a shop and you've gone into a shop to buy something you want and the queue's a bit long, even though you want that. I don't know that I would say that video. Let's let's come into the into the 21st century. (laughs) Even though you really like that mug, let's say. Yeah. But there's 10 people ahead of you in the queue. There's a high chance you're going to dump it and run. Yeah. You know, so you, you were pulled in. You were ready to spend money, but the push factor of the slow checkout process sent you somewhere else. And, you know, so we've, we've all experienced this thing. And the interesting thing is the more, the more a consumer's done in the process of getting there, the more likely they are to bear with any barriers. So if there's someone who has been in the changing room and tried on 20 outfits and picked the 10 they like and they're stood in the queue, they're more likely to wait for those 10 steps because they're already invested in it. Yes. And how you can do that online is by having, which you see, we're seeing a lot on a lot of the beauty brands and food, you know, food supplement brands at the moment is a, a survey to help you find the perfect option for you. Ah, clever. You know, so which of these, which of our shampoos is the right shampoo for you? Here's 10 questions and then it feels personalized and it feels like as the consumer you've contributed, therefore you're more likely to, to check out. And you've invested time, sunk cost and all of that. You found out this information and it makes sense to continue with the transaction. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's very clever. I'm going to add that to my website. (laughs) (laughs) This afternoon that's going on. (laughs) To to help with that. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, So we're driving traffic through various means. We are looking at our conversion rates. So we then need to obviously increase our average order value in some sort of way and you mentioned upsells cross sales down sales uh, are mm-hmm. those the tools of choice to do this they can be a great way to do it um i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into an argument over the definition of what an upsell is and what a cross sell is right. but um but i'll talk about some tactics because i can never decide wh- which one's which in my own head so if you're if you're encouraging them to add something in when they get to the checkout that can be really powerful, you know, so batteries not included type stuff yeah. um, or add this product for half price can help up those those um, fees. If you're doing training courses, it could be adding a, um, you know, a one on one support call. Yes. You know, so something which fits with what they're already buying, but encourages them to spend that bit of extra cash. Pre checkout, things which you can do are kind of multi buy deals or um uh, what's the word for it or uh like incentives to spend more so you'll okay. see on a lot on yeah. a lot of sites um they may have a free pmp threshold yeah or these days they may have a upgrade to express delivery threshold which is all about getting you to spend more to increase that average order value so there's a, there's a lot of different ways to do it it's also about looking at the traffic that you've got got coming into the site and which ones convert at what uh, what aovs and um, you can also look at what products you put in front of people. Right. Okay. 
Um, well, lots to do, lots to do there. So <laughs> what, what I'm realizing, I mean, I've I've only been involved in online marketing for five or six years, and pretty clueless, and so until I started educating myself, and still fairly clueless about the higher levels of this. But you realize how many moving parts there mm. are to running a successful sort of e-commerce or or online um, um, product. It's not as simple as you know, you build it, they will come. There's so much to to do. Is that incorrect in your opinion? That is correct. The list of things you could do is never ending. Right. The, the secret to success is working out what you should do and then actually doing it, <laughs> um, which, uh, which is surprisingly hard to do. And actually something which, which I must say, because we've talked about those three components of the, um, of the equation, and because you're saying there's an awful lot we've covered today, is I had a had a marvelous woman on the podcast a couple of years ago called PJ, who runs a business called Goat Milk Stuff, of all things, in America. Right. And she made this this brilliant point, and she shared that what she does in her business is she decides each quarter, so every three months, which of those three she's going to focus on. Oh, so she doesn't try and do the whole thing all at once. No, which is such a clever way of tackling it. So you go, right, where's the biggest opportunity right now? Is it the biggest, easiest opportunity? Is it traffic? Is it conversion rate? Is it average order value? Pick one of those and work on it for the rest of Q1 this year. And if you have ideas about the others during Q1, write them in a notebook or an Evernote or a Google Doc or whatever it is you're using to keep track of things and just put them on ice until you get to Q2. And then Q2, pick another one and focus on that. Q3, focus on the third one. And then Q4, whichever one's weakest. And it's just a really simple way of allowing yourself to be a bit kinder to yourself for starters, but also of making sure things actually happen because you'll make an awful lot more progress if you focus on one for three months than you will if you try and focus on all three at the same time. Absolutely. And of course, with people who are like, I'm a solopreneur, I, I just do this by myself with the help of a designer. But um, a lot of people starting out are also doing it by themselves. And then they're trying to juggle all of this, you know, along with possibly having another job and family commitments um, and learn everything you need to know. It can be overwhelming. But like you say, if you can focus on on uh, one at a time, um, which one would you choose? Is it based off of what you're having most success with or? That's a difficult one. You have to, it, it varies from business to business. Right. Um, so it's a case of, of looking at, at the numbers. Maybe a case of going, right, let's make a list of what have we done to tackle each of these in the last three months and whichever one you've done nothing on is probably the biggest opportunity (laughs) or which one of you you know write down a list of your ideas for each one and if one you've got no idea of what to do then don't pick that one pick another one because often when you when you start really focusing on this you've got so many things you want to do you know or, or you know or start with the one that excites you right now but don't neglect the others for, for the whole year. No, do, a, do a different one um, next quarter. So thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been really, really great. I've got loads of ideas I can go away now. And, <laughs> Excellent. So that's brilliant. Uh, if someone was to buy one of your books, which, which book? So my, my market is generally people who are kind of passionate about a particular subject who are creating online courses or training which of your books do you think would be best for them to start with in that type of business 
Right now, when this, this episode is going out, I would start with the book you've very kindly mentioned several times, which is e-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website, which a lot of people are calling how to get traffic that buys to your website. So maybe I'll tweak the cover next time and focus on that instead of the e-commerce marketing bit, because that will, will give you some simple processes to go through to work out what you should be focusing on. It will give you kind of an introductory guide to each of the core marketing methods. And it's equally applicable whether you're selling product or whether you're selling virtual products. So that's that's definitely um, where I'd start. Brilliant. And if people want to find out more about yourself and, um, and, and get your books maybe from your website, where would they find you? Um, you can get all my books on Amazon. It's the best place. They're ebook, audiobook, and paperback. So just Google me, uh, Google me on Amazon. Search for me on Amazon and you'll find those. Um, and then for everything else I'm up to, um, you head to ecommercemasterplan.com where you'll find details about my podcasts and you'll find details about the books there as well. Oh, you've done them on Audible as well, have you? Oh, yes, we're all on Audible. Oh, did, did you do the recording yourself or did you have a voice artist? Um, initially, I got voice artists to do it yeah. because um, I had three books published when I launched the first podcast and I didn't have time to record all three. And I knew that the second people started listening to the podcast, it would be a massive opportunity to have the audiobooks. So I didn't do those three. Two of those are still on sale uh, and the rest I've done. Um, but not everybody likes the fact it's me reading them. Um, really? And yeah, there's, a, there's some quite impressively negative reviews on Audible <laughs> occasionally. Um, people telling me to breathe and uh, and also... Uh, someone else just just saying buy it on buy this on paperback. Don't listen to the audio. But then I know a lot of people love the audio, so That's you know hilarious. That's just neg mad. negative reviews are just as as useful as um as positive reviews. So yes, I'm I'm happy with them all. Speaking of that, the one last thing I'd like to to mention mm -hmm. before we pop off is um a lot of martial arts instructors specifically really struggle with the fear of trolls. Like they, mm -hmm. they'll put up a video on Facebook and someone will say that their technique is rubbish or that they're not moving their foot in the right way. And it, <laughs> and it paralyzes them and they don't um, they don't take action. Have you obviously you've obviously got feedback. <laughs> oh, is, yeah. How do you cope with that? Does it bother you or? Um, it's hard to start with, um, but it gets easier. Uh, but it, you just have to put it into perspective of everyone has their opinion everyone's allowed to have their opinion um there was a, a great phrase that someone else was using a long time ago and we all started with the social media strategies which is don't feed the trolls yeah so that's crucial to remember um on a bad day i will look at some of my amazon reviews and be poised to respond and they go no don't do it this is a terrible idea don't respond just leave them to it um so yeah, you you will get when you get negatives. It, it's 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 tricky. It's difficult, but um, it gets much easier as time goes on. And um, and as as you can tell, I can now laugh about them um, yeah. most of the time. <laughs> and do not print them off and keep them near you. That's a terrible move. Do people do that? I so I have in the past kept kept a record of the good ones, and I know people who. Um, in the e-commerce space, I've come across businesses that keep a record of their their negative uh, customer feedback. But it's there's only so much you can learn, and especially when it gets personal, it's best just to wipe it from your mind. 
Absolutely. Um, thank you very much. It's been fantastic. I've, I've learned loads. I've got lots to get away with and start working on myself. <laughs> Um, thank you uh, everyone check out Chloe's um, podcast her books she is the expert in this arena thank you very much thanks Mike it's been an absolute pleasure and I hope it's helped your listeners I'm sure it has thank you